Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's what I thought of that today. Out of the tunnel, onto it's the floor. Be okay, Scott, I'm here. It's going to be okay. <laughs> out of the tunnel. The day's going to get better. <laughs> out of the tunnel, onto the floor for the second half of Sports Talk. Now in the ball game, Evan Kahn. And we're glad to have you with us. I hit the wrong key. I hit the wrong <laughs> key, all right? I meant, I meant to play something from last night, and I'm on the wrong page. In my defense, both, both are number 20, okay? Both are number 20. It's not as loud as it gets. For free food. <laughs> that was last <laughs> night. The McNuggets promotion is uh, a, a pretty high ROI for McDonald's. <laughs> it's arguably the greatest promotion that we've seen here on the campus of the University of Illinois. <laughs> I've never seen 15,000 people more fired up. Not even... It's about as loud as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> you could play that side-by-side side with Tyler Griffey beating Indiana... And the decibel level is very close. <laughs> exactly. Very close to the same. And last night, uh, ESPN had an ISO during this moment with Anadalia McKenzie from the women's team, because you know, many of the women's players are at, were at the game, and she's screaming her head off. <laughs> this this is a, a high-level basketball player who knows the importance of all kinds of moments in a game. <laughs> Got to do it for the nugs. Hey. Fans are fans, and chicken is chicken. <laughs> my grandmother. <laughs> the finest of foods. My grandmother, who uh, <laughs> I loved my, I love my grandmother, uh, my late grandmother. She, she, she had, you know, you go to a fancy restaurant and, and pay a lot of money for a chicken dinner. And she would just look at me and she would say, well, how good can chicken be? <laughs> I think I think the people at the State Farm Center shows you how truly good chicken can be can be for sure. Add a little barbecue or, or sweet and sour if that's your your move. I mean, chicken is good. I like chicken. I'm a chicken fan. Yeah, I mean, I consume it. I would say multiple times a week. So I'm not. I'm <laughs> More not really, days than not. I'm not really criticizing. Yeah, I'm not really criticizing chicken. It's quite the phenomenon. <laughs> In addition to uh, Nuggets won last night, a ball game was won by Illinois last night, too, on, on, on superb defense. Um, and it really wasn't a great shooting night for Illinois from beyond the arc. And uh, when, when, when the Illini clamped down, by and large, in a drop coverage defense, by the way, they, uh, th- they shut out Ohio State much of what they wanted to do offensively. Five days off, an extra day of 
prep playing back at home and uh, I, I mean there there were many things that, that went into last night but it was yeah it was a, a great game uh, and Illinois didn't shoot well from anywhere except for the free throw line and you come away with a, a double digit victory that's always encouraging um, I I heard Terrence Shannon say it after the game that's the Coleman Hawkins that shows up on NBA draft boards and why you're excited about what this team could be because when Coleman Hawkins can play the five at the level that he did last night, it makes this Illinois team very unstoppable, especially when guys like Epps and Shannon and, and Meyer and Ty Rogers are, are filling in their roles uh, around them. They, they can they can hang with anybody, and they kind of made light work of the Buckeyes last night. Well, we talked about it last night and post-game a little bit last hour. When this team is good, they really they haven't squeaked out many wins. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Texas win. Uh, because that went into overtime, mm-hmm. but even that was when the train got rolling. Then, then they really what they weren't stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just took a while to get that thing to depart. But there's other games where the train never leaves the station, <laughs> and, and there's just not been anything in the middle too much for Illinois basketball this year. And if you get what you saw last night, mm, I, I, I it, it it was a favorable matchup too. I mean, mm-hmm. one brought this up. There, there was no. Trace Jackson Davis on the floor. No. There's no Zach Eady, which we haven't seen yet, and we're assuming is going to be a hard hard time. Both All-Americans. Fact, yeah. <laughs> um, but centers have given Illinois a little bit of issue, and Ohio State wasn't playing with a real center. No, it's uh, it's something that, that you said on the postgame show. Uh, I think it rings true, and you see it across college basketball. Everybody wants a five. But Illinois figured out how to win games and operate without a five. Teams like Purdue that have those guys and Indiana, they can they can feed those beasts. But there, there's other ways to to beat those teams, and there's other or teams can can win without those guys. And that's a, a mystery that Illinois will have to solve over these next six months. But it's also not something that they're really going to face all that much because Trace Jackson Davis was the first of the bunch. We're going to see Wisconsin again, and although Kroll had a a pretty big game here at the State Farm Center, a lot of it came when they were down by double digits. Yeah, but some of these guys don't have a place in the NBA yet. So they're mm-hmm. they're sticking around. Yeah, and and that's the the difference that we see between the the college and the NBA game. And some teams are having success. You know, Arizona runs two bigs out there regularly that that are seven foot tall, and they're having success. But UCLA runs something kind of similar to what Illinois does, and they were up in in the top five uh, yeah. again this week. So you see a little of this, a, a little of that. You saw some different defensive looks last night. Again, not very much success with them and it wasn't a center that you necessarily needed to double but we'll, we'll see if they keep putting those kinds of things against teams like the Badgers on Saturday and if they can keep improving on that low post defense without uh, without a, a real big guy and Dane Danger only playing 13 minutes makes a, a difference when it yeah. comes to that. I was reading uh, some some midseason project predictions on who could win the national title which is really <laughs> a conversation of who's the best team in the country right now, but also who could really have success in March. So Purdue's been thrown out there. There's not really consensus, though. You just mentioned Arizona. They beat UCLA. Mm -hmm. Why not Arizona to win the title with with how they play? But UCLA is a valid choice. Mm -hmm. Of course, you've still got Houston. Yeah, they lost to Temple at home, but I think that's it usually happens. You know, even the best teams uh, stub their toe. Mm Mm-hmm. Kansas is uh, 
what's going on? Yeah, they're uh, sliding a little bit here. But you tell me where. I mean, where, it, it, it's not pure luck to win the national championship because good teams win the national championship. It's mm-hmm. just other good teams exit the tournament. Um, but I think it comes down to yeah. I don't know that there's really a clear cut. This is the best team. There, I saw I, over the weekend. You're talking about different bracketologists and you know in in January what does it matter but they put out one where Illinois was a seven seed and I looked up and down the region it's like I don't see why Illinois couldn't win this region I could also see them bowing out in in the first weekend and and that's just kind of the the nature of the beast and how this season is I don't think you want to be ranked number two I think the last year it was the curse of being ranked number one this year I think it's the curse of being ranked number two you just lose when you get to that spot in, in the AP poll uh, Kansas State was a, a victim, not quite a, of getting to two, but they got to the two line a, a couple weeks ago. It's just so wide open. We we're talking about the NBA effect as far as the big wins and, and the big losses. I think that's what comes when you slap these teams together, and it's not so much. I don't, I don't want to sound like that guy, but it, it it's not that loyalty carryover real effect for some of these teams when it comes to winning certain games, protecting home court, beating Indiana when they come to town. It just doesn't have the same kind of meaning. Houston against Temple at home when you're 20-point favorites. I mean, things just happen weird this year. Yeah, it's it's a very hard season to predict. You start to see who's in a cut above, but not the elite of the elite. Well, and even the College of Charleston is ranked 15 or whatever, but as somebody pointed out this week, do you think they'd really be favored on a neutral court versus most of the other top 25? Probably not. No. Their Ken Palm is 76, Boom. incidentally. <laughs> um, but Ohio State, Ken Palm is 21, and they're mm-hmm. unranked. Mm-hmm. And as Scott Ritchie at least his philosophy as a voter is winning still matters because College of Charleston is twenty one and one, Ohio State's eleven and nine now. So who should be ranked? I mean, if you, th- I, I haven't looked at a minute of film of College of Charleston, but if you put them and Ohio State together on a neutral floor, who would be the better team? Probably Ohio State. And uh, I don't know. It's it's a tough job because now there's what 370 D1 teams, and quite honestly, is that enough? Do we have enough yet? Yeah, and, and quite honestly, how many beat reporters are watching more than 30 of those teams? Right. I mean, you've got your immediate conference foes. You've got the the national teams that you might watch, but the vast majority of them are not watching their teams. These teams, they're looking up records. Oh, College of Charleston, they got one loss. We'll put them in the in the top 25. We see it with football well, all the time. Mississippi State was undefeated for a long time. They've lost like six of their last eight, and they're not even considered for the top 25. Uh, I mean, nobody can possibly consume all the games. Yeah. Computers don't watch the games. <laughs> they just look at numbers. Mm-hmm. Coaches that are voting are usually not coaches that are voting in their polls. <laughs> it's maybe they're telling their whoever's going to vote in their proxy, hey, this is what I think. Um, but th- they have barely enough time to consume all the film they need for the next team. <laughs> oh, they get told, oh, who won that game? Oh, interesting. So... It's all a measure of subjectivity, but yet we know the teams that are up there in the top are, are good. Mm-hmm. They're just really good basketball teams. 
but it's it's it, you just can't say well this plus this makes this going to happen. I saw I think the the sickos committee called it the the circle of sickos or something. <laughs> Everybody in the MAC has beaten each other. I don't know how we haven't gotten there quite yet in the Big Ten, but it's got to be getting close. I mean, every single year, I mean, we we almost go through this thing. The difference is. I'm still not even convinced like Purdue is a dominant number one if somebody would call that chicken hook when he gives people bows to the head. You can't do that. Free chicken from Zach Eady. Every night. Every night. Okay, counterpoint. Didn't Kofi Coburn get whistled for those kinds of things? And the argument was, why are you calling a foul on somebody for being seven feet? But he got whistled for him. Ah, so you're saying call it the same. Yes. Should he have gotten called for him? I don't, is it elbow based, and elbow, and it's your responsibility to based on your elbow? What I saw last night in the Syracuse North Carolina game, an elbow is an elbow. Yeah, guy got a flagrant one. Was that Bocott? No, um, I can't remember. I can't remember who it was. It might have been him, but it was a flagrant one. It was a basketball play. He was going to the hoop. He ripped through with the ball, and he hit the dude in the dome with his elbow, and he got a flagrant one for it. And Zach Eadie's had one or zero fouls in like half of Purdue games this year. Wow. <laughs> make it make sense. Syracuse, not as terrible as they looked when they were here. I no, they were not a, a great team. But. No, they were a mess. But they've played better basketball, played Virginia close. They've, they've played a lot of teams pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sports Talk. Colin Lyke is going to join us in a little while and talk some preps and a line night with him before he uh, jets away for his annual uh, uh, snow venture in in, (laughs) in the Rockies as he loves to carve it up out there on his snowboard. So we'll get him on here before he takes his annual trek. We also have some audio from Illini Women's Hoops. They have a big one tomorrow night against Purdue. We are off and running here again in the second hour of Sports Talk. And listen in right here on News Talk 1493.9 FM. Started to kick this around at the end of hour number one, and it was announced last night or yesterday afternoon that Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer mm-hmm. from the St. Louis Cardinals. Here's my question for you. Is he in if he's playing largely on, on losing teams? I don't know that I, I, I associate him necessarily with – he had big postseason moments, but he was more – often than not on successful teams and I wonder how much that propelled his 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 candidacy and I don't think there's a debate about how good he was as a third baseman mm-hmm. I mean he was a good player I mean that's not really in dispute um it's just a borderline case that doesn't that doesn't hurt for sure being on competitive teams being in the national spotlight a, a lot of the time especially in that prime when he was with the Cardinals and late in his career when he was helping out the Reds as they were taking over the central there for a little bit I mostly I, I think it's just kind of the way that the hall has gone here over the last few years it used to be more of a, a gut reaction thing think about it like wasn't it just a decade or so ago we had a year where nobody was put in there and it's like okay guys we've got to start looking at, at how we actually Not do that this sacred thing. yeah and, and you look into it and Scott Rowan's right up there I, I'm now he he's the bottom one I mean all of the the top third baseman 
are in there. My my biggest issue is he has no black ink. I mean, he never led the league in anything. He won a rookie of the year, and that was about it. But, uh, I, I mean, defensively, offensively, he was one of the best two or three third basemen for about a decade. When you look at the counting numbers and the war and all of that, um, and doesn't help that you have a, a World Series ring in there uh, as well. That usually adds just a, a little bit to it. And, uh, yeah, no no real argument to, to putting Scott Rowland in the hall. Now, one of the criteria I think about is, is said player one of the best at their position? Not, I'm just not talking about pitchers because they're in a whole different thing. I'm talking about fielding position players mm-hmm. uh, because generally you have different expectations out of catchers than you do center fielders than you do out of shortstops. Right. So Scott Rowland, he was, I didn't know this, he's only 18th third baseman in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. It's been that rare that third basemen have have gone in. So it got One me th- of the smallest, I think. Yeah. It, it got me thinking about Mark Grace. Five, nearly 500 more, 400 to 500 more hits than Scott Rowland. Is Mark Grace a Hall of Famer if he's in a different position? He was a really good fielding first baseman, but he didn't hit for power and he was an all-star, but he never was an MVP-type player. Mm-hmm. I think it was more the era. Think about first baseman in the middle of the steroid era. They're hitting 30, 40, 50 tanks every single year. And Mark Grace was a second baseman playing first base, essentially. <laughs> so, like, his... I, he's very good. I, I mean, the Cubs been, put him in their Hall of Fame. It's this been year. a while since I've dug into it. He's he's very borderline, but I, I guess when you think of first baseman, automatically you think power. And if you're yeah. a first baseman who doesn't really hit for power, it just doesn't really fit the bill. I mean, he was loving life over there, and he he hit for average, but he didn't hit. I mean, his his uh, OPS career OPS. 825. Yeah, but I think, see, he's got a, a case. He, he's a more walk than strikeout guy, if I remember right, which in in this day and age, A, you don't see. I don't want to sound like that guy once again, but, and you hear a, a lot of people talk about, you know, the, the guy that can walk more than he strikes out. Somebody who obviously has a, a, a little bit of questions about how he got to that performance, but Gary Sheffield's got 400 more walks than strikeouts for his career, and he can't break the 50% threshold. And Grace is about the same. He is actually more than 400, more than 1,000 walks, more than 600 strikeouts. Yeah, so it, it just kind of depends on uh, positions, a big part of it. I think Gary just kind of gets lost in the, the shuffle when, when you think of corner outfielders because that's mostly when, when his prime was, and Third base doesn't have a whole lot, and Scott Rowland kind of stands out among the bunch. Uh, next year, Adrian Beltre is going to go in, so that'll be good for the third baseman to to pick up some there. But uh, I mean, the the case is very Billy Wagner's probably should should be in there. He'll get there. He's got a a couple more opportunities. I think there's only like nine or ten relievers all time, and it's like relief pitching has always been a thing. So uh, we should probably get some relievers in there as well. So it's it's that that fine line, big haul, small haul. But at, at the end of the day, mo- most of the people that get in there deserve the recognition. Yeah, mostly, and 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 it's not like uh, like Roland's a good dude, and you know, I mean, he's not a detestable character or mm-hmm. anything like that. It would have been really disappointing. Fred McGriff just got to go up there do a speech, and then that was the end of the weekend. So <laughs> need somebody else. <laughs> 
<laughs> you need somebody to compliment it. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow night, Illinois women's hoops. They're in action against Purdue. It's a 7 p.m. Tip at the State Farm Center, first of two at home. Kendall Bostic knows that that is important to uh, take advantage of what's in front of you with two games at home. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's definitely a big emphasis. Like, we want to win, like, all these home games, you know, the home court advantage. Um, So we kind of really are bought in this week to, like, getting these two games. And then, obviously, winning on the road in the Big Ten is hard. Winning in the Big Ten is hard, but especially on the road. So we want to really take advantage of the home games that we have now to kind of get a couple wins before we head out. Now, the questions are starting to come up about postseason. And, again, if bracketology has Illinois as an eight seed right now, and that would be tremendous for Illinois to get into the NCAA tournament. But just Kendall was asked uh, by Joey Wagner from 247 about how everything compares to one year ago from today when talking about the postseason would have been ridiculous. It is different last year for sure. I mean, I feel like we kind of knew like when our season was going to be over. So I feel like it was just kind of like harder to want to win games because we like we knew it wouldn't matter. Um, I mean, obviously, like we all wanted to win, but it just kind of like motivating yourself in the game. Like if we get down 15, like that would turn into 30 by the fourth quarter, like just kind of having that, you know, confidence and stability like within ourselves, you know, this year is is really good. But yeah, it was very different last year. I mean, we were kind of looking like, all right, we got nine games left. Like that's it. Like we have nothing else after. So it's definitely a little different and we're pretty excited about it. So they know. And that's pretty cool uh, that they're in that position right now where I don't I don't think they're quite a lock yet, but they're in. You know, if, there's probably teams that are locks, and, 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 and Illinois is probably still, uh, if they don't keep doing enough, they could fall out. But they're in really solid shape. And <laughs> just the mindset, I mean, players to, okay, we're down 15 and I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop when we're Mm -hmm. down 30. Whereas this team is now at this point, it's, you know, tomorrow night, if they don't beat Purdue, it's going to be talking about like what went wrong. (laughs) Uh, Why, you know, this is an expectation type win from the outside. You know, I, I I know any team can beat anybody, blah, 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 blah. But I think, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is now not, Oh, look at them. They're getting hot. It's like, Oh, okay. This team is objectively better. They should win tomorrow. Well, the expectation I I think is the the key word there. And we, they, they probably, they've talked like they've kind of had that expectation since the, the start of the year, even though they hadn't played anybody. And now once you get to a certain point, you start stacking wins. You don't really want to go back to losing ever again. And yeah, uh, opportunities to build a couple more resume wins that, that can move you up there on the line probably want to get a, above that eight or, or seven line especially in women's basketball I mean it's just so top heavy if you can avoid those top two or three seeds well somehow. and you're going to somebody's home if you're an eight seed you're going to face uh you know a nine which is going to be kind of a toss-up and then you're going to play the host mm-hmm on their home floor yeah. in the tourney, so all, all that good setting. But, no, no, the expectation uh, is definitely there, and they 
surely want to to build on that and, and get a, a couple more signature wins. Missed out on the opportunities. I, I think if you pull off one of those against Indiana, you're you're already a, a lock to go with your your Iowa win. But uh, got Michigan just uh, around the corner and take care of your your home games in Big Ten play. Should have a, a good record for for March. Iowa, I think, is a number two seed now overall in the latest. Their only practice. only loss they knocked off Ohio State. Their only loss in Big Ten play at the State Farm Center. With a triple-double from <laughs> Ken, Caitlin Clark, mm-hmm. who joins Dwayne Wade as the only player to get a triple-double against an AP top-two team. That's what it was. So all the graphics were out there. Caitlin Clark, Dwayne Wade. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, in Illinois, I mean, I, I think she, what, she dropped 30 in that game against Illinois. Or yeah, or something more than that. Twenties. I, I think it was more than that. But either right, way, she had thirty-two shots though, or something. <laughs> some they they did it. They just they did it. That was incredible. That was incredible. Uh, so tomorrow night, Mike Coon on the call. Illinois and Purdue former Illini Janae Terry is in town for that as well. Uh, what else we got to kick around here today? Um, we got uh, three ball games tonight for the Big Ten on the men's side: Northwestern and Nebraska. Wisconsin at Maryland, Indiana at Minnesota. Mm, don't st- none of those strike me as barn burners. I would think Wisconsin Maryland's the most compelling. Mike Latulip said last hour Northwestern's going to cool off here pretty <laughs> quick. They they've gotten too many schedule wins. <laughs> I don't know if he was referring to the altered schedule that they had because of the the COVID pause huh. for them or or uh, well, you know had some easy pickings. Didn't even think of that. The compacted schedule that they're going to have over the next six weeks isn't going to do them any benefits let alone who it doesn't matter who you're you're playing but uh if if that is the case then might be some tough sledding same for Purdue I mean they knocked out all their easy games really early on so uh we'll we'll see what comes but Wisconsin Maryland uh, got the Badgers on, on Saturday Maryland gave Purdue uh, a scare over the weekend. I don't think that they've played since then, so uh, they'll they'll be back at home. That that'll be a, a a good game to watch. Both teams match up pretty well with each other too when you think about it across the board. So yeah, that'll be a good one. Hoping to connect with some Illini football in the next uh, in the near future. So that might be coming our way. And then Illinois baseball is having its first official practice of the spring. Spring in quotes on. Friday, so we'll start hearing from some of the Illini players. Didn't you know? Ju- January 21st, the start of spring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, no, wrong, not here. Not here. Wrong solstice, <laughs> wrong equinox, all that good stuff. We'll come back. Colin Lyke is going to join us and talk some preps, and he was also on the Illini beat last night. Straight ahead. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now at NewsGazette.com, inside Illini Basketball, our weekly podcast with beat writer Scott Ritchie, who will tell you of the Big Ten's big problem. They just might not be very good. You've got Sports Talk. I'm Scott Beatty with 
Evan Kahn. We are with you every day, 4 to 6 p.m. Colin Likas from the News Gazette preps pages and the Illini coverage as well these days because he does it all, but getting ready soon to be in the Rockies. Colin, thanks for joining us from the uh, mobile office of the News Gazette preps office. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Scott. So I know you love to snowboard, but mm-hmm. why why, why go all the way out there when after a day like this you could just go down to Colbert Park in Savoy? <laughs> That's right. It, you could yeah, be down that hill I, in about 1.7 seconds. Yeah, there's a there's a nice hill right off of uh, right off of um, uh, Kirby as well. So I could uh, yeah I could just hop right on a few different hills. But uh, yeah, a little more a um, little more vertical going out west. The snow tends to be a little better. Um, things like that, a little little more enjoyable. I am jealous of you, which is really the reason why I'm poking fun at you. Because I used to <laughs> I used to when I was young. Uh, I used to get ski trips out to to the Rockies. That's just a place my dad loved to go, and he would take me. And then, you know, I became an adult and figured out how expensive that is, and uh, and and so I don't do it. And so I'm yeah. envious of you. Yeah, they're they're extremely expensive to be sure. It's a once a year thing, and uh, lucky if it's a once a year thing. It's it's crazy how much it costs to get out there these days. Well, I w- I wish you uh, much fun carving up the mountain uh, for the skiers on your snowboard. Oh, you. but, uh, but anyway, hey, um, um, what was your takeaway last night after, uh, I, I assume as the McNuggets promotion? Right. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. I uh, I, I'm, I haven't gotten my McNuggets. I don't think I'm going to get out of the house to, oh. to go get them today. I'm kind of shutting myself in today. But um, as far as Illinois goes, yeah, I think Brett Underwood kind of hit on it as close to the media availability last night. Um, it's amazing how a team can look different when, you know, they're not playing a sixth game in 16 days and things like that. And I realize that that doesn't come off as a viable excuse for a lot of folks, especially come NCAA tournament time where you're playing two games in three days and things like that. But, um, you know, in the middle of a Big Ten slog, you're not going to be on your A game all the time, and it's not the NCAA tournament. So um, this Illinois team is still a good team. And there were a lot of guys who did a lot of things really well. Uh, Matthew Meyer bouncing back from his apparent illness last week to look really good. Uh, Terrence Shannon continues to shine for this team. Ty Rogers is like a a spinning top on the court. He's just all over the place doing positive things for this team. Um, Jaden Epps, you know, he kind of got off to a little bit of a slow start, making his second career college start, but then really picked things up down the stretch. Yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of good to like from Illinois. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but I think a lot of a lot of good overall, and just kind of getting back to what we saw during that four game win streak. Colin, I I got to be honest, I'm I'm I saw you at the game last night, but I'm still mm-hmm. not really used to you being on the Illinois beat. Everything I've got yeah. for you is on on prep stuff, if that's okay. That is totally fine. Well, we we brought up conference tournaments as it pertains to college basketball. Last hour, as it pertains to mm-hmm. high school basketball, we're kind of in that that season. So, h- how important are conference tournaments to high school teams as as they mm-hmm. are competing in those here over the next few weeks? Yeah, I mean they they're pretty important. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you you want to win your conference or county tournament, not the end all be all, but a lot of pride. I mean, there's big time rivalries going on there. You know, Salt Forks girls and Bismarck's boys won the Vermilion County tournament and. The fans were out in droves for those Friday and Saturday championship games. Uh, the, those events matter to a lot of people. It's got history dating back to the 1910s all the way back in, in Danville. So 
Um, things like that matter. You know, the Central Illinois Conference Tournament going on right now, it's the last version that'll look like the current one because St. Teresa is getting booted out of the conference and Sullivan's following them out the door. So um, with conference realignment, you can't really uh, you can't really take a conference tournament for granted these days because you don't know if it's going to look that way for how, or how long it's going to look that way. So I think that adds a little bit to it. Um, I always feel kind of bad for those those conferences that don't have conference tournaments, but I think they make out well enough, you know, playing their regular season schedules and things like that. Yeah, I wonder that as well, coming from the former OCAW CIC myself, we, we always played in a conference tournament, but does mm-hmm. it, it just kind of depend on if a, a conference wants to put one together or history or, yeah. or what goes into that? Right, yeah, pretty much. I mean, during the pandemic-shortened season and the uh, 2021 school year, uh, the Big 12, put together conference tournaments, which they typically do not do for basketball. That's not something they do, but they did it just to make sure teams got a few more games in. Lo and behold, a few teams had COVID problems, and the tournament was really beat up as a result of that, but they they at least tried it. Um, Yeah, all depends on, you know, how many, I think, how many teams you've got, scheduling availability, you know, trying to find a a place to to host these events consistently and things like that. Uh, Sometimes, you know, with Durham County, it's, a different neutral location and sometimes with some conference tournaments it's different schools hosting each year so it depends on a lot of different factors but uh, yeah you know like the big 12 apollo conference those are ones that we don't usually see have those conference tournaments tuscola's girls team is undefeated so they are going for a, a, a very viable mm-hmm. uh, chance at winning the uh, uh, cic right they're also in mm-hmm. cic yeah, yeah. They're right. also in good chance to win that one tomorrow, uh, and or as it as it launches. So, uh, w- yep. what do you see out of that? Yeah, so Scola's girls. I mean, it's a it's an intense team, very physical team, especially on the girls' side. You know, it's not to that's not to downplay girls' basketball by any means, but typically, you know, the boys' games tend to be more physical than the girls' games, just on the whole. But Tuscola's girls, they play with a very physical and very aggressive style. It's it's not reckless. It's just we are not afraid to get down in those dirty areas and be physical with you, wrap up for a loose ball, um, you know, put a put a good bump on you if a foul is called for, things like that. So that style, I think, has really helped them, especially in Class 1A and 2A games. They're going to play 1A in the postseason, but they obviously see a lot of 2A teams during the regular season. I think that style really helps because a lot of teams they see just aren't used to seeing that kind of style. It's a big reason I think they're undefeated. Um, they're ranked second in the latest Associated Press poll. There were two, literally two voting points away from being number one this week. So they are right there at the edge. And uh, one of the few undefeated teams left in not only our area, the only undefeated team left in our, in our area, but the entire state. I mean, it's down to a handful across boys and girls basketball. And you recently just had uh, a rundown. It may have been yesterday. The days all kind of blend together of yeah. leading scores for each yeah. uh, area's school. And what's interesting in your position, and I commend you for this, uh, Mm -hmm. schools have varying uh, accuracies or even Mm -hmm. information (laughs) on their their archives, right? Because over decades of sports, not Mm -hmm. everything, you know, some of them might be uh, in a garage next to a Corvette, you know, that (laughs) year's records uh, or or, or something. You know, these classified documents end up in weird places. (laughs) So... It turns out that Colin Likas and the News Gazette often are actually the record keepers for, for area schools. I, th- I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it does happen a lot. I have a lot of coaches in the 80s reach out to me about statistical-type things and some things I know, and 
More often than not, I probably don't because they're asking from a far back time where, you know, since we've moved offices twice and our website has gotten overhauled a few times, a lot of things have kind of been lost to, to the past, unfortunately. But we try to keep as good of records as we can. You know, we did the 1,000-point career scoring project back in 2017 and 18 that has helped out a lot with trying to figure out all-time leading scores at different schools. Um, we had boys in Sunday's paper. We're going to have girls this coming weekend here as we uh, explore Salt Fork's Alexa Jameson, who is just a sophomore but just scored her 1,000th career point last week. Um, she, she very well could have 2,500 career points by the time she graduates, and Salt Fork's current girls' record is 1,500 and change, so she's well on her way to breaking that. But it's, it's one of the more interesting things to me when you mention, you know, different histories. One of the biggest things is, you know, the consolidation of schools or schools splitting apart into – you know, smaller schools, you know, Salt Fork, for example. I, I asked her AD last week, do you consider Salt Fork strictly or do you consider Jamaica? Do you consider Seidel? But what do you consider as your, you know, all-time scoring record? It, it's a tough question for some of these schools. I mean, you got some schools like, you know, a Muhammad Seymour or a Centennial. It's pretty straightforward. But you got these other schools that have a lot more um, kind of not necessarily confusing history, but there's a lot more to it than just one school and one name. So that, that to me, is one of the really interesting aspects of it. Yeah, I had a, a, a sister who competed in diving way back when, and, mm-hmm. and the format in high school changed. So she had set a record, and then it was going to be nearly untouchable. I don't know what, mm-hmm. where it is these days, but for a long time it used to be, I think, the, the, the sum of six dives, and then they went to the sum yeah. of five dives. And mm-hmm. it was like, okay, nobody's ever going to break your record in six. <laughs> uh, but I, I had this vision of you on the slope, and 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 taking a spill and just random box scores and and records just flying out from your your jacket uh, and and you know it's like well who has the record for this we don't know it's in Colorado somewhere yeah the biggest thing I would worry about with that is losing my phone somewhere um, <laughs> my uh, my my dad one time was trying to film something on his phone and we've got we've got GoPros attached to our helmets now so this isn't an issue so much anymore but before we had a GoPro my dad. I'd take his phone out of his pocket sometimes and try to film us doing stuff. And one time he uh, caught an edge and the phone went flying and he took a good 30 minutes to try and find it in the snow drift. And he did find it eventually, but that's, that's a legitimate concern when you go out. You know, you leave a pocket open accidentally, your phone's gone forever. That's where you got to use the Find My Phone in a Snow Drift app. Yep. Yep. I I had a lot of fun looking at, at that scoring list that you guys put to, together and seeing the the wide ranging as far as you know the the most points I think I saw it was like Tri Counties pushing like twenty five hundred and then other yeah. schools where it's like thirteen fourteen hundred and yeah. probably most surprising maybe not so much when you consider the three point shot has come in but a lot right. of those schools have seen new leading scorers here over the last decade or, or even less than that. And one of those is Ty Pence, and you had a, a big write-up as it pertains to him coming up on Brandon Trimble's record. And is he, it, the way it reads to me is he's going to define his uh, Spartan career more on where the team finishes this year mm-hmm. than, than whether he finishes with the, the most points all time in that program. Right, exactly. I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion. He's going to finish as the all-time leader. Uh, it should. It could happen by the end of this week, frankly. They've got a game Friday and a game Saturday, um, two really good opportunities. He's at 
somewhere in the 50s to 40s range at this point as far as the number of points he needs. So very doable at this point, kind of just, you know, staying healthy and keep playing his game at this point. But, uh, you know, it's interesting with the girls' side that we'll publish in this weekend. Um, obviously, the records don't go back as far because girls' basketball is not nearly as old as boys' basketball in, in the state of Illinois. Um, so, you know, the, the oldest records you have on hand are typically from the early 1980s, and a lot of those have been surpassed over time. But, man, we've got some really good girls' basketball scores in our area. You mentioned, you know, about 2,500 leading the boys' side. We've got about 2,800 and change leading the <laughs> girls' side. And uh, there's some there's there's some girls who, you know, women now, who aren't going to get recognized because they're not a leading scorer. But there are a lot of 2,000-point scorers locally who – all come from like the same school. Tri County and Oakwood, in particular, seem to have kind of cornered the market on two thousand point female scores. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Colin, we got to bounce. Appreciate you always. Safe travels. Yep. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All Thanks, right, Colin. Colin Likus, News Gazette Preps pages. Uh, read them. Follow him at C Likus NG. Good stuff. We wrap in a moment. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Fun times here on Sports Talk. We'll do it again tomorrow. Joe Pott from the Cardinals Radio Network is scheduled to be our guest. We'll have uh, more in the Illini world. You never know what else may pop up. Yeah, hopefully you've started to scout who is going to be on your team for the All-Star game this year because you're going to pick it and then you're going to play together. I kind of like it. Do something to make it interesting. Yeah, it's not bad. All right. Back tomorrow. Thanks, Ed Bond, on the other side and all involved in the program. Have a great night. News Talk 1493.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana.